in relationships. And so I want to ask you, what is it about relationships that are satisfying? And that's not a rhetorical question. I'm asking you, you allowed to me, what is it about them? Sorry? They're reciprocal. It's not just a you take or you give. It's both, isn't it? What else? I've got to get the minds thinking today. Yeah? Yeah, having someone's attention. Yeah? Yeah, that's good, actually. That's very helpful for where we're going today. What else? Someone who gets you. They really understand who you are. And we, we like that. What else? Sorry? Support. Absolutely. That you've got someone who is in your corner. And that's very satisfying. Someone to share things with. You do something, and we like doing things by ourselves, but we do like to share them with others, don't we? I like to share my continual dissatisfaction with the perfect cup of coffee with you. And I'm on this journey to make the best iced coffee that I can, and I've got my special ingredient, and so you can try it today and see if you're satisfied by it or not. Unfortunately, it's not hot, but seeking satisfaction and sharing it with others. What else? Well, you're just going to say, that's it, and the person next to you, you've got a, a relationship with you. Yeah, oh, there's nothing else. That's all we do. There's lots, isn't there? We seek satisfaction in our relationship. In our relationships. And I'm not just talking uh, like a husband and wife romantic relationships. I'm talking the full gamut of relationships. Those, the relationships we have as a church family, the relationships we have with our friends, our siblings, any colleagues, any relationship, there's satisfaction to be had. And yet, for many, Mick Jagger is correct. Whether he was talking about relationships or not, We can't get satisfaction the way we really want from our relationships all the time, can we? Statistically, we're not getting satisfaction out of marriage with the rate of divorce and infidelity and and all the problems and horrendous relationships that we damage. Why is it we were able to share just briefly, and we only kind of scratched the surface, that relationships are satisfying, and yet we can't truly get satisfaction. That's what we're going to uh, look at uh, today. And I'm going to pray to uh, ask God to help us to think about relationships and consider Him in amongst that. And so if you're here visiting with us today, um, you don't know where you are with God, I hope you can come along with that journey with us as we consider what God might have to say about satisfaction. So whether you're the kids that went out, teenagers, or you're in your 80s, 90s, relationships and satisfaction is important. And I'm going to pray, and I'm also going to thank God for Dorothy specifically, because she's 85 today, and that's pretty satisfying. Happy birthday, Dorothy. So... Um, wish a uh, happy birthday uh, after the service as well. But let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can uh, be here together today and seek to understand uh, whether we can find satisfaction in relationships or not. Help us to understand who you are uh, in this. We thank you for the joy and pleasure it is that we have a relationship with Dorothy and we thank you for her 85 years 
Uh, and we thank you that she uh, loves you and is a continual faithful witness of uh, being uh, a follower of you and amongst your people week in, week out. Amen. Now, therefore, are relationships the answer to a satisfying life? Now, you may be thinking, this is, you know, the preacher's up, so he's going to say, not human relationships, it's God relationships, done, that's the story. But I, I don't actually want to say that specifically today. You might be thinking, yeah, you're going to say, yeah, yeah, but it's a relationship with Jesus, and we're going to get there, obviously, right? Jesus is the centre of everything, we're going to get there. But that's jumping ahead too far, and we're missing something about humanity if we just do that. I want to show you humanity... You and I, and the instinct we have for relationships, is that we're onto something when we do that. That the search for satisfaction in relationships, unlike money that we looked at last week, which just leads us down a a hole of destruction if we just rest in that, searching for satisfaction in relationships is kind of built into who we are and the way God made us. And as we see that, we see, as we understand that and how we should view God in that, it makes much more sense. And so the first point I want to have for us today is that quite clearly the storyline of the whole Bible is that God made you and I for relationships. The beginning of the Bible story, and you've got the Bible there, there'll be a bit of flicking today. Uh, the first one's easy to get to because it's Genesis chapter 1, so the beginning of the Bible. We see right from the beginning point, the starting point of humanity is relationship. In chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky. And he goes on to say in verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. Be in relationship and be fruitful. And you're going to do that being made in my image. At the very core and the instruction that we're giving as we care for, rule this world, we do it in relationship with God being in in his image. We are made for relationships with other, with each other rather. And right at the beginning, the close, intimate relationship of companionship of a of a man and a, and, and a woman is highlighted. In chapter 2, verse 18, we read, God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So he's straight away saying, we're not made just to be individual silos, not relating to any other humans, and we're just all by ourselves doing... He says, not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper. But no helper, suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up uh, the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And the point I want you to see from that today, because there's so many things we we, uh, learn from that in regards to a relationship of man and women and God, but what I want you to see is the intimacy of humanity and relationships right from the beginning. We are made for relationships and finding satisfaction in them. And it should be no surprise then that we keep on seeking to do that. When we think about that, 
and we're made in relationship, we're made to be in relationship, but what about God? See, we don't just think about God made us in his image, but if we even take a step back further behind the curtain and we think about what God is like, God is completely satisfied with the relationship he has with himself. I don't know um, if the whole God thing is new to you, but the God of the Bible, the only God, is a Trinitarian God. That is to say, he's one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the reason that is important, not because we just like to talk about him in different ways or there's different modes, he's one God, but he is relational in three persons and they relate in beautiful harmony with each other. One of my favourite passages that highlight that, we see that throughout the Bible. But our God um, is in relationship with himself perfectly. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit relate perfectly to each other. And we're made in that in his image, so therefore we're going to be wanting to be in relationship. In John chapter 5, we see a little snippet of this as Jesus speaks about the Father and the Son. In John chapter 5, verse 19, you can pull it up if you like, or you can have a listen with me. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives, gives them life, even so the son gives life to him to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the fudge judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Can you see what we're seeing is the Father loves the Son and he gives him everything. He gives him all honour and praise. The Son isn't going to go, <laughs> like the prodigal son, thanks, Father God, I'm Son and I'm God, I'm going to run off with you, with all you've given me and I'm going to do whatever I want. No, no. The son does everything that the father wants. When it comes to understanding our God in relationship, that makes sense. It blows our mind when we think about how can he be one God in three persons because that's what he is and and our brains and, and our ability to understand how that works is beyond our understanding. It is who he is. But to understand his imperfect relationship with himself is not beyond our understanding. It shapes the relationships that we have. And the Holy Spirit is just as much in this relationship. In chapter 16 of John's Gospel, um, we read we read in verse 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak about only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will, will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit, here in this passage, is highlighting that he hears that everything that's going on in the relationship of the Father and the Son, and he doesn't go, I'm going to talk about myself, and I'm going to make it all about me. He reveals Jesus. He glorifies the Father and the Son. That's where his glory is, in that revealing Jesus. He's just as significant in the relationship of we cannot know God unless the Holy Spirit was in perfect relationship with the Father and the Son because he reveals the Father and Son to us. Hopefully, 
that's blown your mind a bit and you're going, oh, geez, there's so much that I don't understand. That's what I'd hope would happen because it's a Trinitarian God. But I'd also want you to see and just be aware of how beautiful it is to know that our God is so bigger than we can imagine that he's in relationship with himself and it's perfect and harmonious. That the Father does everything for the Son. The Son does everything for the Father and the Spirit wants to reveal what the Son has done. And God has made us in that image. Being relational beings is at the very core of who we are. You know, when it said um, we're made in his image, it said let us, as if now we can see that God uh, talking within the Trinity himself is saying we're going to make them to reflect our character, our rule, who we are. Isn't that a great picture? Isn't that a picture when we go, God is giving us that starting point as humanity? But if that's a good picture, got to come back to that song. Why can't we get satisfaction? Why can't we be satisfied in our relationships? And the other thread of the Bible that goes all the way through, all the way from Genesis, is we have shattered that image. We have rejected God and rejected having a real relationship with him and that's caused the damage of the relationships we have with each other and the the lack of satisfaction. Right from the beginning, when the serpent came along in Genesis and said, did God really say that? What's he doing? He's wanting to needle away at a perfect relationship by lies. And the consequence of accepting this lie and rejecting God, well, there was judgment. And in chapter 3 we read uh, specifically how that affects relationships when when God was speaking to the woman in verse 16. He said, I will make your pains in, in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. That is to say, this perfect relationship of a companion and a helper is now one of tension and of discord and lack of harmony because of us. That is the story of relationships throughout the Bible into all humanity and why we keep on getting it wrong in the relationships that we so yearn to have satisfaction in. What's one of the, the next relationships that happens in the Bible in Genesis? Can anyone tell me? It's not a husband and wife relationship. Cain and Abel, that went well, didn't it? It's purposely showing us the problem of rejecting the harmonious relationship and being made in God's image. It killed there's killing of one, your sibling. The illustration, the, the idea that we have frustrations in relationships highlights we yearn for it, we want to have it, we kind of get glimpses of it, and yet they're not fully satisfying. So where do we go? We've kind of got this tension on the line of we see relationships are where we find satisfaction, but we're not getting satisfaction. God's given us away, and yet we've rejected it. So what do we do with this? Well, I think the next point I want to show you is the two readings that we had today, which I want to hold together. God's extraordinary desire to be in relationship with us 
It didn't just stop with him making us in his image. It continues on in how he sees us and how he knows us into what Jesus does for us. That's why I love Psalm 8. Because it's a psalm of casting our eyes and our minds to how big and great God is. So the framework of the psalm is that God is majestic in everything, in all the heavens. His glory, glory goes beyond everything. And then, in that context, it considers us. Verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, it's so big, you are so glorious, your name should be praised. Verse 4, What is mankind, humanity, what is humanity that you are mindful of them? Human, human beings that you care for them? You are so big, so beyond everything else, and humanity that's, that clearly is not doing great with you all the time, that you care for them. You made them a little lower than the angels, and yet have crowned them with glory and honour. You've made them rulers over the works of your hand. We saw that in Genesis 1, being made in his image to rule the world. God cares for us so deeply that we shouldn't be asking the question, does he care? The question should be is, how extraordinary it is that he'd bother with us. The Psalm 8 ends with, Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Not just because you hold everything in all of the universe together, but because you are mindful of us. He knows us so intimately. In another psalm, David, King David, talks about how deeply that knowledge of us goes. In um, Psalm 139, he says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. God is the one who knows us beyond anyone else. When it comes to relationships, that's what we have in them, isn't it? That someone knows you at some level. Whereas a work colleague knows the type of person you are when you're doing a job. A spouse knows the type of person you are better than anyone. A brother or sister knows the type of person you are from all the fights you had as kids and done all the worst things you did. We know things about each other intimately. God knows it all. But God's desire for a relationship with us that we see here, we see Genesis, takes us into the heart of the gospel story. Because in uh, Hebrews, our second reading today, Psalm 8 is taken and it's showing us the lengths that God goes to being mindful of us in Jesus. You see, we were made, um, we were made by God and He wants us to have that relationship restored. In Psalm, uh, in Hebrews chapter 2, we have the direct quote of Psalm 8. 
You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honour and put everything under their feet. And yet, we see that Jesus is actually the one who is to be crowned. In verse 9 we read, We see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honour because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom, through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect to what he suffered. Jesus is the one who comes, comes as one of us, to bring us back into this relationship that is ultimately satisfying beyond anything else you and I can imagine. That is what we're seeing in, in Hebrews. And so we get to the end of this uh, chapter, uh, of chapter 2 and verse 14, and we see that Jesus deals with the very problem that we have in all our relationships. Verse 14, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that Jesus, shared in their humanity. Consider that in light of Psalm 8. We are so little. What is God that is mindful of us? And now the Son, whose all things are created by, is sharing in our humanity. That's how much he cares for you and I. Why? So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. That he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, consider what God has done to have a satisfying relationship with you, for you to be fully satisfied into all eternity. Jesus becomes human, made flesh, the one who has everything in the palms of his hands. He deals with death, but he became fully human, not just because it was a nice thing to do, but because humanity had the problem and he's going to take our problem on himself. Verse 17, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. That is, the one who provides sacrifice instead of you and I. And that's why it says the fancy words, he might make atonement for the sins of his people. He makes a sacrifice in our place so that you and I can have a real relationship with him. Sit with that. And ask yourself, do you find satisfaction in that more than any other relationship? Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Because as a follower of Jesus, you also get not just one who saves you, you also get a God who understands everything you're going through. A God 
who knows when you're struggling, a God who knows when you're facing sin, when you're facing another opportunity to ignore him. And say, he knows. He's been tempted. The only difference is he paved the way because he never fell to temptation. Can you see how when we consider our desire for satisfaction in relationships, it's built into who we are? And God wants you not to be satisfied with searching for it in the relationships you have on this earth. He wants you to lift your mind up beyond that and to have those relationships being even more satisfying because ultimately you find satisfaction in him. And so my main takeaway for you today is that you embrace the very human desire to find satisfaction in relationships. But understand, this is the key, understand that a relationship with God is the only one that truly satisfies. Because, I don't know if you noticed when we read uh, verse 14 and following, Jesus, the relationship with Jesus is the only relationship that frees us from another relationship that tears away at our satisfaction in life. Jesus broke the power of death and the devil. We have a relationship with him. Is it one of rejection or is it one of slavery? But by his death, We are freed from death and freed from the chains of Satan. That is how good this relationship can be. And the question is, is whether you have wholeheartedly said, my whole life and existence, even if for the rest of my time on earth, for the rest of how many years I have, I'm, I'm just constantly dissatisfied with the relationships that I have. They don't work out. There's problems with them. Whatever it is, you yearn for them to be better as you should. You you do your best to make them better. But beyond that, you're wholeheartedly committed to the real relationship that satisfies you at your very core and goes beyond your years on earth. See, embrace the very human desire to have a relationship with God. Don't reject it. And so I want to finish just by casting your mind that if you have accepted Jesus, you do have this relationship, what does it it do for you? Not because we have a relationship with God just to get stuff out of it, but how does the relationship work? Can I remind you something that we see every time we open up the scriptures and when we come together and we sing songs and we pray to him and this relationship is 100% reliable and to avoid the temptation to think it's not when things aren't working out around you, God isn't failing you. He is 100% in your corner. He knows your temptations. He is the one who has gone before you. He knows you. God knows you before you were even made. He is not going to let you down. 
Jesus never ever sinned. He never ever broke any relationship. Can I also encourage you to see that a relationship God is about dwelling with him? We get to do that as we open up the scriptures and God's words revealed to us. But the picture of Revelation 21 highlights that. Because at the end, we read, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Take on board this. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. This relationship is one of being in God's presence, which is what you were saying before about someone who you can uh, uh, be uh, connected with, that they get you, that you have attention with, they support you. It's not he's supporting us for far in all eternity. We are dwelling with him. And what is this dwelling going to look like? Well, all the pain and suffering of this world, we read, goes on to say, um, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. And it struck me this week that I've always thought about that and how I'm looking forward to heaven, no more pain and suffering. But what I hadn't really thought about is that it's in relationship. It's not there will be no more pain. It's that God will wipe it away. It's that intimacy of relationship where there is no pain and suffering that God provides. We get to dwell with God forever and it will be satisfying and it's not just for a little while is it death is gone because eternity is here this relationship goes forever now just say for example you are in a relationship with someone and it is as satisfying as you want it to be you've never fought it's pretty funny isn't it this is what happened but you never you never fought everything would go right there was never a moment of any problems it was so great but you die it's over it was good but it's over the god of the universe is saying i will give you that perfect relationship and it doesn't end it is eternal it's not ruined by death and eternity my last point is better than we can imagine. When we reflect on the scriptures and our home and the hope that we have, we're not going to get there. If Jesus came back right now and we were all in the new creation, we're not all in one voice going to go, huh, I thought it'd be better than this. We're just not going to do that. We are going to be completely, 100% satisfied. The yearnings that we have are going to be satisfied dwelling with God into all eternity. Brothers and sisters, seek satisfaction in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you have made us for relationships. We see it. We love the relationships that we, that we have when they're going well. And yet we yearn, we grieve when they're not, when we have that no satisfaction feeling even though we try.
the Lord cast our eyes beyond just seeking our human relationships to be the golden uh, relationship. Cast our eyes to seeing Jesus, who has gone before us, who understands us and wants us to be completely satisfied in him. Thank you that you made us in your image and even though we shattered it, we rejected you, you have restored us and made us new in Christ. May more and more people we know live around us, find satisfaction in a relationship with you. Amen.